With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part series on Adventures in Compliance. One of my favorite authors is A. Conan Doyle, and I love the Sherlock Holmes stories. I see lots of lessons for the compliance practitioners in these stories. So I'm going to explore these over the next five days. I'm going to take a look at five stories and use those as introductions into a compliance or compliance-related topic. I know you will enjoy this podcast series. First, a word from our sponsor, the Compliance Masterclass. I'm pleased to announce a two-day Compliance Masterclass, which is unlike any other compliance class currently being offered. This session will be held in New York City on November 12 and 13. It will be hosted by Jonathan Marks and Baker and Tilly. The Compliance Masterclass is not a theoretical or analytical presentation of the FCPA. The focus of the Compliance Masterclass is on the operationalization of compliance. For it is only in the doing of compliance that companies have a real chance for avoiding FCPA liability. The Compliance Masterclass provides a unique opportunity for any level of compliance practitioners from the seasoned CCO to the compliance practitioner new to the profession. If you are looking for a training class to turbocharge your knowledge on the nuts and bolts of a best practices compliance program, this is the class for you to attend. For more information, check out my website, www fcpacompliancereport.com or email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Adventures in Compliance is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. The question of what makes someone a criminal runs throughout the entire Holmes genre and canon. Such questions as, are criminals born or made? Do they tend to be foreigners or can they be found next door? Why did they commit crimes? Are always questions posed throughout Sherlock Holmes stories. While the stories always answer the last question at the end of the story with a handy rundown of people's motives, the first two questions get a lot of different answers. In the series entitled The Return of Sherlock Holmes, 13 stories looked at all sorts of crimes and all sorts of criminals. There were professional gangsters, career blackmailers, people who kill in rage or by accident, petty thieves, and stone-cold killers. Home stories tend to be fairly comforting and enjoyable in that everything is always solved and answered by the end. But they can also be unsettling. Pretty much everyone and anyone can commit a crime, even Holmes and Watson themselves, or be a victim of crime in these tales. There's a lot of uncertainty into that which constitutes the criminal London. We use this as an exploration of compliance and criminality. The Adventure of the Priory School. In this story, Holmes meets a character, Reuben Hayes, who is believed to be the most self-evident villain he has ever met. The tale revolves around the disappearance of a Duke's son who is kidnapped by the Duke's illegitimate son, James Wilder, who has in turn hired the most evil person, Hayes, to kidnap the lab. In pulling off the crime, Hayes has killed the lad's tutor, Mr. Heidegger, who had gone off in search of the boy. Holmes resolved the matter, and while Hayes swings for the crime, the illegitimate son, Wilder, is packed off to Australia. 
Rarely do employees and companies begin with an intent to commit criminal acts. Yet by the time they've engaged in criminal fraud, there has usually been significant damage to the organization. One might only consider the recent criminal indictment of Elizabeth Holmes, founder and chief executive officer of Theranos, and the company's former COO, Sonny Balwani. I greatly doubt they originally planned to defraud investors out of millions of dollars or intentionally wrongly reported on the health of all those who were tested with their products. Yet the indictment alleges, at the end of the day, they did so defraud a wide variety of stakeholders, customers, and others. Now the company is down to just a few remaining employees and, in fact, has announced it's shutting down. But this massive fraud, perpetrated at the highest levels, is a rarity in FCPA cases, although not unheard of. Yet, as the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners noted in its most recent report to the nations, corruption represents the most significant fraud risk for organizations. This means that companies should understand the specific factors involved in the corruption schemes so that they can work effectively to prevent, detect, and remediate them. Some of the key findings in the report around corruption were that 70% of corruption cases were perpetrated by someone in an organization who is in a position of authority, either a manager or senior executive. The top red flags in corruption cases were an employee living beyond their means, two, employees usually unusually close associations with vendors or a customer, three, employees who were in financial difficulties, and four, employees who had a wheeler-dealer attitude when it came to doing business. Interestingly, corruption continues to be a worldwide problem. While the usual geographic regions of Southeast Asia and West Africa have high indices for corruption, in every region across the globe, with the notable exception of the U.S., corruption was found to be the most pervasive type of fraud. However, the part of the report that will bring some of the most important insights to the compliance practitioner is the similarities between the fraud perpetrator and the employee engaged in corruption. They share the same profile. The red flags I noted above are the same for those involved in either fraud or corruption. The mechanisms for concealing fraud are concealing or altering documents, creating fraudulent transactions and entries in the accounting system, altering transactions or files and override of internal controls, or allowing fraudulent transactions. One other lesson from our home stories is that you must be objective. It is simply more than investigating the apparent facts of the missing schoolboy in the story as it entails the understanding of something very specific, a situation which is inherently dynamic. And you, by the very action of entering it, shift it from what it was before your arrival to something altogether different. This means the headmaster who calls for homes and the investigating police believe a kidnapping has occurred and they report the facts in that manner. After Holmes arrives, it is somewhat different. The information from the ACFE report points to the need for robust internal controls in every best practices compliance program. Such compliance internal controls can help detect and prevent fraud and corruption from occurring in a much more objective manner. For the reality is if red flags are noted, As the top indicators of fraud and they appear in your organization, it is an objective sign that a more thorough investigation should take place. Every time you find yourself making a judgment immediately upon observing, in fact, even if you don't think you are, even if everything seems to make perfect sense, train yourself to stop and repeat. Is it impossible as I state it? And therefore, I must be wrong in some respect. 
Then go back and restate it from the beginning in a different fashion than you did the first time. You will see from it there are many errors in perception. I hope you've enjoyed this exploration of the Priori School and Criminality in a Compliance Program. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow when we will take a look at the adventures of the Six Napoleons and mentoring in compliance. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Compliance. If you have any questions on the issues I raised in this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I also have a special request for you. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review as it would help in our ratings and help get the word out about this special podcast series. Adventures in Compliance has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.